Get your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. And while you're doing that, I want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, the 30th, August the 30th, is our last, is the deadline for folks to register for Destiny Leadership Institute. So um, if you want to be a part of that, you can go out to our, our Next Step Center and let them know. And uh, they, will, they will give you the information. Also, uh, everybody say First Wednesday. First Wednesday worship right here, September the 2nd. We'll be having a time of worship. It's just always a good time to get together. It's been a little while since we've done it. We did some park stuff and we had some leadership stuff. But this, uh, not this coming Sunday, but September the 2nd, first Wednesday worship right here. And it's just a a wonderful time. Uh, I also want to remind you that our gatherings kick off. We had several of you asking me, when are your small groups? And our our gathering session uh, starts September the 13th. I want you to write September the 13th down somewhere. That's going to be a big Sunday for us. <laughs> it's a big Sunday. First of all, NFL football begins then, all right? So we're going to go along with that theme, and we're calling this our kickoff, all right? So we're going to be kicking off a brand-new series called Game Changer, and uh, we're going to be talking about how God wants to change things in people's life. We're going to talk about finances. Listen to this. I have talked Kristen into teaching with me. So it's been a long time, three and a half years I've been trying to. Chris and I are going to be doing a, a, a day, a session, a sermon, a message on marriage and relationships. And so this would be a great time to invite friends to come back and be with you. Folks that are struggling in different parts of their life, say, come meet the game changer. We're going to talk about Jesus being a game changer in every area of our life. How many of you know that Jesus wants to impact every area of your life? I'm waiting. How many of you know that? All right. If you don't know it, now you should when all the hands start going up. You're like, okay, that's a key. I should raise my hand. Uh, he wants to impact every area of your life. So September 13th, a big kickoff. And also either the 13th or the 20th, we're planning on doing a big serve event because the Tennessee State Fair is going to be right across the street. What a great opportunity for us to serve people that are thousands of people that are just walking by. Wouldn't that be cool? Just handing out water or whatever we want to do. So we're going to be talking about doing a a big serve event. I'm glad to have Paul here today. Uh, I met Paul the other day at the AT&T store, and uh, he got us hooked up on some good phones and good plans and good deals, and and I happened to invite him to church. He's a drummer and an audio engineer that just moved here. Would you all welcome Paul here today? There's Paul. Sorry to embarrass you. I got him on the second row and then called him out in front of a whole bunch of people. Our Father, which art in heaven. Told you I was going to do it. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You help me sing. Matthew 6 and 9. Thank you, Gwen, for that help. Thank you, Mr. Marinick, for the standing ovation. One solo person stood. It's amazing. <laughs> you can never leave now. You know that. Now that you've done that, yeah, you're, you're locked on. The goal of our teaching, we call ours, we don't call them series. We call them teaching themes. And the one is called Pray. We've been doing this. This is our third session on this. And um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been um, illuminating for me. And uh, I, uh, Kristen walked in this morning, and we had our coffee, and I was studying. I said, oh, got some good stuff today, good stuff today. I cannot wait. And so I'm excited about just breaking it open and sharing some of it with you today. Um, the goal of this teaching, there's four goals that I feel like that I've had for this theme, is first of all to remove the formality and the stress from prayer. The worry, like, am I praying enough or am I praying right, just to get rid of that. So those of you that deal with that, that you haven't been with here with us the past two Sundays, I want you to go to our website, go on iTunes, and get the podcasts, and you can listen to those, either the website or iTunes, either one, uh, and we talk about how to get the stress out. Secondly, I want to have a better understanding of prayer, better understanding and knowledge of what prayer really is and what prayer does Thirdly, a desire to pray. I hope that when we get to the end of this theme that we have such a desire to pray that we don't feel like we can stop praying. That it's just this continuous thing. And then fourth is that all of this is going to result in a deeper, stronger, better relationship with our friend Jesus Christ. And so that's the goal that we have. And I I asked you last week to, to commit to this entire process. This isn't a one Sunday thing. This is the subject of prayer. It takes a lot of time to unpack, right? Right? It takes a lot of time to unpack it. So I'm asking you to commit. And, and if there's something that a question you have uh, this Sunday, hopefully we're going we're gonna to hit it next Sunday. And if not, then the next Sunday. We've got a couple of more Sundays as we roll into this. The first week we discussed that prayer is a conversation. It's talking. Just talking. You ain't got to go, you ain't got to sing the Lord's Prayer. You don't have to have spooky organ music. You don't have to light incense. You, know, you don't have to put a suit on. You don't have to lay on the floor. You do it how you want to. If you want to lay on the floor, light incense, and have spooky organ music, that's fine. If that's how you pray. But it doesn't have to be that way. It can be just as simple as you talking to God. So talking and then listening taking time to hear what he's saying. What would the Holy Spirit speak to you? And here's what we learned last week, is that how we pray and why we pray or why we don't pray. Remember I read that list of why people don't pray? All has to do with one thing. How many could tell me they were here last week? What does it have to do with? The way that we think. Oh, yeah, the second row was ready. It's the way that we think. Prayer.
prayer, why you pray, how you pray, or the reasons you don't pray has everything to do with your mindset. Jesus came not just to die, resurrect, and live in us again. Jesus came to change our mindset. Remember I read it last week, Matthew 5. You have heard it said, but I say. So he's taken this mindset that they had, had just been ingrained in them as children. And he said, I know that your grandma said it that way. I know your papa said it and your uncle and your pastor, they said it that way. But I want to change your mindset. I want to tell you this is how that saying is actually fulfilled. Romans uh, 12 and 1. If you're around here for very long, you're going to find that I have about six or seven favorite scriptures and they're going to pop up probably every other Sunday at some point. I think as a Christian, if you can master Romans 12 and Romans 8, those two passages, those two chapters will revolutionize and change your life. And then there's some more others that we'll throw out. But Romans 12 and 1 says, Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How many want to be transformed? How many want to be changed? You didn't know what transform means, so I'll use the word change. How many want to be changed? How do we do it? Self-help books? Maybe. Some of that may work some. Marrying the right person? No. If, if that would have happened, I'd be, a, I'd, be a, I'd be in glory right now, you know? It, no, it's about this mindset, this changing the way that I think. And so the Lord's Prayer is all about how we think. Last week, I told you, he said, the Pharisees, the heathens, and the hypocrites, they all pray a certain way, thinking it's the right way. How many for years just thought your way was the right way? Or that you knew someone that prayed the right way? That's probably most of us. They pray the right way. I don't know how to pray that way, so I'm not getting anything answered. This is what Jesus said. The Pharisees, the heathens, and the hypocrites think they know how to pray, and they think that because they pray a certain way, it's going to work. But he said, I've come to tell you, this is not how you do it. I want to teach you a new way to pray. And that's when he launches in to the Lord's Prayer. It's more than a scripture. It's more than something that we pray at funerals and at weddings. It's more than something that we sing. It's not, it is actually a direction on how to pray. And not just in the morning to hit these things, but a way of thinking about prayer. He said this. He said, you've heard this, but in Matthew, he says, Matthew 6 and 9, in this manner, therefore pray. Or in other words, let me teach you another way to pray. Because if Jesus knew this, if he can change the way we think, he can change the way we pray. And if he can change the way we pray, he can change the way we live. Now, I know you weren't taking notes because I sang the scripture instead of read it. You're like, that ain't official yet. He ain't even preaching yet. He didn't even open the Bible or read anything. So he ain't preaching yet. I'm preaching right now. I've already begun, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, forget the text. He's already preaching. And you probably should have written that down. Some of y'all didn't turn to your neighbor, much less say anything. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's already pre... This is your chance to tell somebody off. (laughs) Tell them. (laughs) How often do you get to talk like that to somebody? I'm giving you... The pastor said to tell you something, so here we go. So prayer is all about how you think. So I want to talk about 
over the next few weeks. All right, now I've got 14 P's of prayer, okay? 14 P's of prayer. We're not going to do them all today. Matter of fact, we may just get to one today. All right, I don't know. Because this number one is my favorite. The 14 P's of prayer. Write that down. (laughs) That's funny. Number one, our Father. Write that down, our Father. So I'm going to teach us how to think. When I pray, how do I think? He said, don't think like them. Think like this. So what is my mindset when I'm praying? Number one, think parent. Just put that down. Our Father, write it down. Think parent. When you pray, when I pray, we should have a filter on our mind that everything we're praying, we're thinking like we're talking to our parent. Our Father. Like you're talking to your dad. Or if your dad is not your favorite, your mother, okay? You just pick whatever you want. Your parent, the one that loves you more, okay? Go after that one. Think like you're talking to that parent that loves you and cares for you. But look at me. And as I say that, I knew it, what would happen. Some of you don't have a good relationship with your parents. Your father did not set a good example for you of what God looks like. So I want you to write this down. Don't just think parent, think heavenly father. Perfect father. The father that has no no secret agendas, no other ambition, but for you to be blessed and cared for. When you pray, this is the way that we should pray. Matthew 7 says this, Matthew 7 and 7. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. Now let's pause right there. We're going to come back to this in this series. That's one of the other P's. Can anybody tell me what that P would be? Oh, who said it? Persistence, that's right. We're going to come back. You win. You win. Dave, she wins. You take her to lunch. Hey, take her to lunch and I'm buying, okay? Come to me after church. I'm going to give you $40 cash. I want you to take her to lunch today, all right? Everybody give her a great big hand. See? You got to be listening. Hey, is 40 enough, Dave? Where y'all going? Cracker Barrel? That'll be plenty. Give my mama a cert bottle, all right? I love this church. (laughs) Everybody good? See, I'm telling you, all better listen. We just give money away just to give it away. I hope I have $40. (laughs) Think about it. All right, so we're going to come back to that in a few weeks, maybe next week or the week after. We're going to be talking about persistence. You got to think persistent. You can't just one time and done. You got to think I'm going after this. But now I want to tell you why persistence works. Because if we don't know why persistence works, then you just get bored with praying the same thing over and over, right? Persistence works because you're talking to your daddy. And your parents know what I'm talking about. Daddy, 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 daddy. Hey, daddy, 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 daddy. Daddy, can I, can I, can I, can I? Mom, 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 mom. Can I, can I, can I, can I? 
How many know some, that works sometimes? You're like, oh my God, just take it here. I don't care. <laughs> All right, here he goes. Verse 9. Is up here? Verse 9. You parents, I love that he calls them out. He says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a rock or a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Let me ask the parents right now. How many of you, your kids, have you wrapped around their finger? Just raise your hand. Come on. I'm looking right now at some of you couples that we met and you didn't have babies and you didn't know why we acted the way we did and now your Instagram is just nothing but that baby. Oh, look at him. Just whatever. You know, I, you know I, I always say I know the reason God did not give me a girl is because those boys right there already have me wrapped. If it was a girl, my goodness, it'd be, there's no way I could, I could never say No. You know that God feels the same way about you? That feeling that you have toward that child. Now look, those of you that don't have children, you're not going to understand this analogy. But you will someday. That feeling that God, that that you have for your children, that's what God has for you. He wants to give you things. How many are raised with the mindset that God's holding things back from us? Because we don't live good enough. Pray, come on, let me see some hands. Pray hard enough. You're not saying it the right way. What's that secret key? And it's not that way. God cannot wait to give good gifts to his children. He said, if you know how to give good gifts at Christmas, come on. How much more do I as your heavenly father want to give you gifts? And I mean, he gives good gifts too. Just take Jesus for example. And he gave his only begotten son. You talk about love that he would give his only child. Not only does he want to give us good gifts, I would say this, he can't wait to give you good gifts. James 1 and 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Everybody say good and perfect. Not only does our God like to give gifts, he gives good gifts. How many can remember one Christmas in particular that you got that great gift? Raise your hand. So look at that. All the others probably go together, but I can remember. I can take you back to the one. I don't know if daddy hit the mother load. I don't know what my daddy did, but it was a good Christmas that year. I remember I'd wanted a Mickey Mouse watch so bad. I just wanted me a Mickey Mouse watch. They gave me everything else. And finally, out came that Mickey Mouse watch. That was it for me. That made my whole year. Because mom and daddy had saved up and they gave me good gifts. Not only does God give gifts, he gives good gifts. I want to look at that word good. Everybody say good Gifts. I want you to bring that up on the screen. If you got to pick between a gift and a good gift, how many pick good gift? <laughs> now, you, if you've been around here long enough, you know I love to break down these words. I'll spend hours just going in and 
Sometimes I'll take the entire passage we're going to speak on, and I'll take every word and look it up in the Greek and the Hebrew. And so uh, you find all kind of things that are in this. That word good comes from the Hebrew word uras. <laughs> I wish y'all could have heard me practicing this about 5.30 this morning. Uras, oh, I can't do it. Somebody say it for me. Yeah, y'all can't say it either, so I don't feel so bad. You're Estus. There it is, you're Estus. And here's what it means. Pleasant. Do you know God wants to give you pleasant gifts? Do you ever feel guilty for feeling pleased and pleasant? How many ever just sometimes feel guilty like, I shouldn't be feeling this good? You have that moment that you feel relaxed and everything's working out and you're like, what, something's wrong? What is going on around here? God wants to give you gifts that are pleasant. When you're hanging out with those friends and you have that moment where everybody's just laughing and you've had a good meal and you just, you're like, man, I like this. You know what I'm talking about? Are you with family and it happens to be that, that day that they're not fussing with each other and it's like, oh, that was good right there, right? That's the kind of gifts God wants to give you. Pleasant pleasing gifts. The other word that jumps out is this word joyful. Man, I love that. God wants to give us joyful gifts, gifts that cause us joy, that make us go, yeah. I should make y'all do that, but I'm not. Pleasant and joyful. And then there's not just good, but there's perfect. All right. How many would rather have a good gift than a gift? Raise your hand. How many would rather have a perfect gift than a good gift? How many of you men spend a lot of time looking for the perfect gift? Right? He says he gives good and perfect gifts. Now, this one is a lot easier. The Hebrew word for perfect is teleos. I got that one just like that. Y'all literally, on the other one that I'm not even going to say, I was like online clicking it and making the computer tell me what it said. Just memorize and still messed it up. But I can get teleos. I got that one right there. Let's hit some of the things that the word teleos means. God gives good and perfect. The first word that pops up is complete. God gives complete gifts. He says sound gifts. Good and sound. Upright gifts. You know, upright. The Bible talks about a righteous and an upright person. He gives mature gifts. These are all words that pop under this word perfect. It gives gifts that are not lacking moral quality. And lastly, and not lastly, I'm going to save it, is the word whole. He gives gifts that are whole. Let me ask you something. Have you ever gotten a gift that you thought was amazing only to find out that it was lacking moral quality? Have you ever gotten a gift that you realized after you got it, it wasn't mature yet? I may be talking about a person right now. I could be talking about a job. I could be talking about a promotion. Whatever it is that you get that gift, like, oh, man, this is it. There is no doubt about it. Listen, if it's not good and perfect, it may not have been God. Now, if you're married to that person right now, that don't mean you just jump up out of it, all right? 
It means now we're going to start praying that God begins to work on that relationship. But that's probably for our Game Changer series, all right? So what if the things that we're asking for that he's not given us are not complete yet? Are they not mature yet? And the dream that God gave you, nod your head if you have a dream. God gave you a dream. You feel like, I'm going to see this happen. I'm going to do this. And yet there's some frustration because you don't have it yet. Could it be that it's not built yet? It's not complete yet? It's not mature yet? Or could it be that we're not mature yet? One of my other favorite passages of Scripture that always pops up is Galatians 4 and 1 that says this, that an heir, as long as an heir is a child, they have no more authority than a slave. Do you hear that? So you can be an heir. I'm going to get everything my daddy has, but as long as I'm immature, I do not have my inheritance. Say it with me. Immaturity inhibits inheritance. So it's like, I want it. I want it now. 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 I mean, feel that way sometimes. Temper tantrum. Why can't I have it? Because of that right there. What you just did, that's why you don't have it. Everything that I own is Evan and Davis's. No matter what it is, it's theirs. But I'm not going to give Davis the keys to the Tahoe. I'll get him a golf cart. Let him practice on that. And then saw him texting and driving the golf cart yesterday. <laughs> Said, all right, now what are we going to do? <laughs> However, Evan has the keys to his own car. I still reluctantly give him the keys to the big SUV, but he has his own car, right? Because he's proven that he can do that. He's shown himself mature. So sometimes we look at other people, at all the things that are happening in their life, and we look at our own visions and dreams and wonder why we get frustrated and compare ourselves. Oh, y'all, comparison is the worst cancer of its kind. There is no cancer like comparison because you're never going to equal up to how you think they are. And you look on Instagram and social media and look at their amazing life, and I'm telling you, that's the best they got. They ain't showing you all the back stuff and the lighting they had to put into it and all the... (coughs) Y'all okay today? A little humidity messed with y'all a little bit today? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, we're almost done. Let's go. Almost done. Let's finish this thing strong. So if God doesn't give it to us, it must mean that it's not good and perfect. parent may not give you what you asked for because they know that it's not good for you. Mom, I want a, I want a piece of bread. You don't give them a snake. Now, some of you have kids that would ask for the snake. I want that snake right there. Right? Maybe sometimes that's like us. Maybe that's our deal. We should be asking for bread. And we're asking for snakes and stones. Maybe that's the whole thing. Romans 12 and 2. We read... We read Romans 12 and 1, now Romans 12 and 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His what? Read it. Is it up there? It's not up there. Romans 12 and 1. Do you have that? Here we go. 
I thought the house was getting right. I was like, y'all, it ain't even right. Okay, here we go. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is and and perfect. Isn't that crazy how that ties right back in with what we've just been talking about? Boy, it's amazing how the Word of God lines up. It's like he knew what he was doing. A renewed mind, write this down. Here's what he's saying. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. How many of you spend a lot of your time wanting to know God's will for your life? Raise your hand. I want to know God's will for my life. He says with a renewed mind, you know it. So a renewed mind changes the way you pray. Here's what I've found is once your mind is renewed, there are some things you don't even ask him about because you know. Kristen uses the great example. I used to tra- I traveled full-time when we moved to Nashville for almost seven years. And there were several times that I was on the road and couldn't be reached, and there needed to be a decision that was made. And it's a decision that I would normally make. And Kristen, one day I called her and she said, Baby, this had to happen. It involved a good bit of money, and I, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't get a hold of you, but I got to thinking, what would John do? And she said, I made the decision, and I was like, that's exactly what I have done. Our relationship had gotten to the place so much that she didn't need to ask me. She didn't need to beg me. She didn't need to research and find me. She just had to know me so well that she knew what to do. What if there are some things that you're praying about that you don't need to pray about? Because you know what God's word says. Do it, don't do it. But I just want to know if it's your will. It is. Matter of fact, I think we need to stop praying for the will of God. Because I believe God's will is already accomplished. I believe the testament, the word testament means will. The Old Testament, the New Testament, that's the will of God. It is written. It is done. I believe we should be praying for the ways of God. Not just the will of God, teach me the ways of God. How does God do things? I think that's what prayer is really all about. I think I know what to do. I know that I need to to be faithful to my wife. I know that I need to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I know that I need to provide for my kids. I I can go down the line. I know what I need to do. It's learning how to do what to do. And that's what prayer is. It's this renewed mind. You begin to change the way you think about things. And it changes the way you pray. And you stop praying for what you want. And you start praying for what he wants. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. It's already been said, written, sealed, decreed, delivered. We want what's up there to come here. And so it changes. You know, James says, I don't have it in my notes, but James talks about, says your prayers are not answered because you pray amiss. Everybody say amiss. That word amiss literally means to miss. See, that deep, deep Greek study right there means to miss the target. Another translation of amiss means diseased. He said, you, your prayers have become diseased because you're praying after your own pleasure." But what a renewed mind does, it changes the way you think, and now you begin to pray God kind of prayers. 
And how many of you can't wait to give your kids something that you want to give them? Sometimes they ask you for things that you know are not good for them. But come on, if it's something you cannot wait to give them, what? You can't wait to give it to them, can you? And when they ask for that, oh, yes, perfect. Luke 12 and 31 says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. I'm going to read it again. We love that. He will give you everything you need, but that first part. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it is the Father's great happiness to give you the kingdom. It is the, one translation says it is the Father's good pleasure. So it's not about begging him. It's not about talking him into it. It's just about having his interest first. Write that down. Some of you are going to need that on Tuesday. You don't have to beg him. You don't have to talk him into it. All you need to do is have his interest first. I want what you want before I want what I want. And it is the Father's good pleasure, his great happiness. How many of you like to make God happy? Then ask him for the right things. It's his great happiness. How many could tell me if I had you stand up what Nehemiah 8.10 says? Anybody? Okay. That'll be some homework. It talks about the joy of the Lord. How many have ever quoted that one? What is it? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Now say it with me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. How many ever quoted that before? Right? How many have ever heard that before? You're going through a tough time? Oh, the joy of the Lord is going to be my strength. And you think what that scripture means is, when I get his joy, I'm going to be strengthened. That is, that is not what that scripture is talking about. When you look at Nehemiah, what had happened here is Nehemiah was telling all of the people, God is about to bless you. And the people remembered their sins and started weeping and crying. Now, wouldn't that, how'd you like to be a prophet that says, you no, know, most time prophets are wanting people to cry. But this is the one time he gets to say, God's going to bless you. We're getting ready to have a party and a celebration. Everybody's going to eat and drink and laugh. And what happens? They start sobbing, crying. And he goes, what is going on here? And he says this to them in Nehemiah 8 and 10. He says, be quiet. Stop your crying. This is a special day that is holy to the Lord. He's going to bless you. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Here's what he was saying. God gets joy out of strengthening you. The joy of the Lord doesn't strengthen you. God gets joy when he strengthens you. God gets happy when he blesses you. If I was Joel Osteen right now, y'all would be like, that's so good. Just start writing checks and sending them in, giving your heart to the Lord. That was a good word right there. God cannot wait to bless us. He loses it. One, one scripture talks about that God dances over his children. My son, Ed Davis, reminded me that one Sunday I said God twerks over his children. I didn't know what twerking meant. 
I did not understand until my sons were waiting for me when I walked off the stage and showed me a YouTube of Miley Cyrus twerking. So the next Sunday, I have to come up and say, folks, I just want y'all to know, God does dance, but he doesn't twerk. But he may nay-nay. I don't know. Does he nay-nay? Does he whip? Well, I don't know. Don't, I will go. God, the Bible says he rejoices over us. Look at me. He rejoices over us. It's not this, Mikey, you better get it right. I'm watching you. No, it's like, come on, Mikey, you can do this, man. I got good gifts for you. It's not, you better grow up. I'm going to teach you a lesson. Grow up so I can give you all the things that I want to give you. That's what it is. He can't wait to give us all this. But he's not going to give it to us as long as we have this mindset of I got to work for it. I got to get to this place. I got to, I got to make this happen. No, it's not. God has such good gifts for you. But all we have to do is we have to focus on his interest first. I told you I had one more meaning for that word perfect, teleos. We've gone through them. We've talked about that it means maturity. It means whole. It means moral, no moral Uh, lacking of moral quality, but this is my favorite. The word perfect in teleos means this, without blemish. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? Without blemish. Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb, the perfect sacrifice, the standard of God's gifts to us is Jesus. If you ever wonder how God wants to bless you, the standard of God's blessings is always His Son. Not here. Here. Not just here. Here. Not just gifts. Good gifts. Not just good gifts, perfect gifts. Whole and complete and upright and mature and pleasing and happy and without blemish. So in other words, how do, you, how do I take that and apply that to my life? Every gift that God gives you, He wants it to act just like Jesus. Y'all don't look at him. He's coming to play keyboards so your heart will get ready. So don't worry about him. He knows what he's doing. He didn't even trip. See, that was good. Y'all don't worry about him. You know what we're going to do? I want to get a keyboard in the back. All right, that's my new thing. Anybody want to give an offering? You give an offering. We're going to put a keyboard in the back and the guy can just start playing. And y'all know, you what? There's heaven happening here. That's what we're going to do. Y'all were thinking, who is this guy just walking? What's he doing? He's coming to play something heavenly so you will get ready to give your heart to the Lord. I'm just telling you, that's what this is about. In case my preaching didn't work. So everybody said, God bless Tucker. No pressure. People's eternal salvation is depending on what chords you play. So don't worry about it. It's good. Backtrack, here we go. You ready? When God gives you a gift, 
He wants it to do just what Jesus Christ does in your life. And that is lead you to salvation. Lead you to security. And lead you to abundant life. So if you're praying for things that you know aren't going to do that, stop praying for those things. God, just give me that man. If I can just have that I could have that woman. If I could have that job, I could have that career. I could have that. Everything would be all right. And I could just go and quote to you all of the people that win the lottery and how many of them lose everything. The people that give everything they have to try to get something and lose it all because they were after the wrong thing. Let's close our eyes.